0: Hey y'all, this is Ginger DeVries, guest number 56 of the podcast encouraging you today to use your position to broadcast God's love. God's word says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We pray this episode is an encouragement to you to go out and use your position to broadcast His love. From Scotto Albritton Studios, here's your host, Ricky. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Broadcast His Love. This week, you get to hear from my husband, Riley, and one of his dear friends, Spencer Reeves. Spencer is the executive director of Child Hope International with his wife, Risa Reeves. This couple is so special to us and their children. We just love them. They spent almost 10 years living in Haiti. Spencer and Risa first began working with this organization called Child Hope back in 2010 when they did relief work. After the huge 7.0 magnitude earthquake struck Haiti, leaving its capital city, Port-au-Prince devastated, 200,000 people were reportedly killed from that incident. And I got these stats from the United Nations news website. In 2012, they moved their family to Haiti to work alongside this organization, Child Hope, where Spencer worked as a team coordinator. And they did a lot of local events getting the community and kids together through playing football hosting soccer clinics and sharing the gospel through sport which is pretty awesome they also worked in building a local church in their community in 2016 risa and spencer started working as haiti directors and began leading the transition to family-based care which means focusing on orphans in their orphanages and getting them back to their families, not to get adopted, but family-based care. So reaching out to the grandparents, reaching out to the aunts, the uncles, anyone to keep the orphan within the family. So what they're doing is really unique. And I just love this couple, Risa and Spencer. Today is Giving Tuesday, November 28th. And Giving Tuesday was created in 2012 with the simple idea to encourage people to do good and celebrate generosity. So if you're looking to give this Giving Tuesday, we want you guys to check out Child Hope. And I will put a link in the description of this podcast where you can go to check out more information on this organization and also give if that's what you've decided in your heart to do for the Lord and to advance his kingdom purposes as God is using the Reeves family through Child Hope. Today you get to laugh out loud and just enjoy what God is doing in Spencer's life. You get to hear his story and also what's going on with my husband. He just loves Spencer so much. We just love this family. So I can't wait to hear how God speaks to you through listening to this conversation. Feel free to message us on Instagram or email us at broadcasthislove at gmail.com. And just let us know what God is encouraging you to do, what he's telling you, how he's speaking to you through this conversation. And I'll be sure to get it to the Reeves family. Y'all have a blessed day. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with my extremely chill and relaxing husband, opposite of his wife, Riley Stewart.
1: Hello broadcast is love audience. This is obviously not Ricky. This is her husband Riley and we are here tonight with Spencer Reeves. Hey Spencer man how how is everything going? How is life? Life is busy but it's good. Yeah. Has anybody ever told I, you you're, you're the most interesting man in Pensacola? <laughs> I haven't heard that yet. No. Okay well you are so happy to have Thanks. you here tonight man. Happy to be here. Yeah I've been looking forward to this. Definitely. So, Spencer, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm originally from the
2: Pacific Northwest. I was uh, born and raised up there in Ellensburg, Washington, and then moved down to California for college, I played soccer through college, ended up meeting uh, my lovely bride, Risa Reeves. And um, from there, we, we discovered a life uh, calling to uh, Haiti and in the mission field. And, and we've been participating
1: in that for the last uh, 12 years. So, and that's awesome. Yeah. By the way, Risa, your wife is amazing. Uh, Ricky, you know, we, we both married way up, honestly, you and I did. So <laughs> I would agree. we have that in common and really would love just to talk with you a little bit about your organization, Child Hope, what y'all do, and just share with the broadcast his love audience, you know about what y'all do and how y'all are impacting God's kingdom,
2: yeah, and I just want to say thank you to you guys as well. Um, taking the time to dive deep with people in in their hearts in in their mission, what they're called to do um, in their faith uh, and how they live their faith out is really important as we testify and and live out this faith in jesus and so I appreciate you guys in that child hope international uh was founded 20 years ago wow. uh, in port-au-prince haiti a, a beautiful family out of southern california decided to move their their lives to haiti to look after vulnerable children and uh, the orphanage was really birthed out of a rescue opportunity with kids that were another orphanage was closing and they stepped in and and provided a safe space for them and wow um yeah and so as an organization we've been operating in
1: port-au-prince this will be our 20th year congrats yeah yeah guys doing big things 20 years man haiti's a pretty amazing place with a pretty uh, just from the little experience I've had, it's a, it's a place that's full of hurt, and it just seems like things just keep happening, you know, to the Haitian people down there. It's pretty wild.
2: Yeah, the organization itself really has uh, been through the earthquake and the years, you know, before that, that were quite unstable with food insecurity and changing governments and storms. and But God's been faithful, and uh, what we are today is nothing like what the organization was originally. I think that the heart of it is the same, but the activity and and the walking it out is is totally different. It's been quite a journey. Obviously, I wasn't there until about the midpoint, <laughs> maybe <laughs> halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh is when I started my journey in Haiti. Really began began learning in our first couple of years there of what God was was planning to do so
1: yeah and i mean your family was all in man y'all you know had your kids <laughs> the kids down didn't, down didn't there have much choice yeah. so i mean raising your family there in haiti and i mean it's just amazing how god uh how we got to meet you guys because we met y'all just randomly at upper room church y'all were just visiting and kind of passing through and i don't remember uh if pastor nathan or somebody just kind of introduced y'all that y'all were missionaries from haiti visiting and ricky and I were like, oh. I wonder if they know the people we know down there in Haiti. And we just met ever since then, we just have loved talking with you guys, being friends with you guys, doing life with y'all, having y'all's kids pretty much help raise our kids. Cause they're the ones running the, you know, the Sunday school there at church and our kids love hanging with yours. So it's been awesome. How God like brought us together and, you know, now we're doing this right now, so it's pretty neat.
2: Yeah, and for the the listeners out there, we moved back from Haiti in 2020, right before everything shut down globally and, and here. Um, and so to find somebody, at, we were at a new church. We are trying to get established here in Pensacola. We didn't know a lot of people, uh, even though my wife grew up here. Uh, she knew some friends still, but really just to see how god did that and connected mm-hmm. us um, i remember thinking leaving church that one day just going man i'm so encouraged like they yeah. they they were passionate about haiti but they but they've been there and we knew some of the same people so i love it when god's network does that
1: definitely man spencer so grew up in the pacific northwest tell me about how you mm-hmm. came to christ how, how did you how did you first meet him and how is your how, how have you gotten from when you started believing to where you're at now? Just tell us a little bit about how you met Christ. Yeah, well, um, I think my story, my parents,
2: I think, came to know the Lord when I was about two years old. I just remember going home one Sunday with, with my parents and really feeling at maybe like six or seven years of age, a burden to know if I could be saved. Mm-hmm. I remember praying. uh A prayer with my mom during that time wow and that was the beginning of of my faith i would say my parents uh would take our whole family to a camp in montana every summer called cfo and it was a methodist camp it was on flathead lake beautiful location but we would go for a week and it was just set apart for faith building it was tightly run there was an itinerary every day but the activities were were centered around christ and building our faith and our trust in god and uh, it was there at the age of 13 that i decided to get baptized and so uh, i had my dad baptize me at in flathead lake as a teenager but really had so much to learn right as Mm -hmm. a teenager and with sports and my social life, you know, I think my heart and not, not understanding sin, really, I drifted away, you know, weekend tournaments and not, not connected to the body of Christ. I really, um, just drifted away until college when I would say mm-hmm. I hit rock bottom right after my four years and wondering who I really was and, uh, I remember sitting. I was playing soccer at the university. My eligibility was up, but I was just training with the guys one day. And I, mm-hmm. my, my goalkeeper in college was complaining. He was just like, "Man, I'm sick of L.A. I'm just <laughs> ready to get out of, out of here." And I looked at him. I go, "You know what I want? I want. I want to find a good church." <laughs> oh wow and it was something on my heart and that week i had like literally had a one of those big yellow books mm-hmm. and just kind of had my finger in the pages looking up churches and i would call them and it would be the korean church It would time on each mandarin church like <laughs> the languages i got and i'd hang up and and then i had this conversation on the soccer field one day with with mm-hmm. him and he looked at me and he was just like what did you just say? Like I've seen you, I've I've know what we've done together for four years. Like, and he goes, you know, that's funny you say that because I have this guy that calls me every week and invites me to this young singles thing up at Bel Air Presbyterian. Oh wow! And he was like, do you want to go check it out? Because I'm tired of him calling me, <laughs> and I was like, let's do it. And we went that night and I walked into the room and there were 300 young adults worshiping God. And I knew, I knew coming out of that party scene in Hollywood and um, just, you know, my demographic in L.A. trying to have fun. It was, it really, it was where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. And so he never went again and I kept going. And wow. uh, ended up meeting, uh, fellowship and started building a community. And, uh, right around the same time I had a good friend from, uh, high school. He called me up said, Hey, I'm getting transferred to LA. Let's get together. Uh, he was in the air force. And so he, I didn't know at the time, but his faith was really strong wow. and, uh, he ended up really discipling me and I had all these questions and, that's I would go awesome. over to his apartment on Manhattan Beach Boulevard every evening I could. And I'd say, I read this. What is this? What about this? Like, are these things connected? These two, mm-hmm. You know, and he just patiently loved on me and listened and got, guided me. And uh, we're best
1: friends to this day. Uh, he lives in Colorado Springs. but Dude, that's awesome how God brought somebody along right at the right time for you. That's right. You know, to, to yep. plug you in at that church, and then he jettisoned out. Yep. And then... When you're kind of getting out of that, he brings in a buddy. That is God's timing so good, man. That's so cool, so good. And uh, guess who his uh, neighbor was? Who's that? Risa. Oh my goodness, man! A, God just it was has a this domino motel. effect. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is good. So that's, that's awesome, man. Well, cool. And then uh, you know, life continues on for you guys. And then, how do you make the leap from there to? To Haiti. Sure. That's a pretty big jump from yeah L.A. to Haiti.
2: Well, the church we were in in L.A. was in Redondo Beach called King's Harbor. And around the same time that Risa and I started dating, we were attending this church. And we watched two families in the same season in the church come forward and say, we're called to start an orphanage. Wow. And um, one of them ended up moving to Haiti and one moved to Mexico. And we were just kind of blown away watching these people walk away from their, their career, their life, their, what they know Mm -hmm. to go serve vulnerable children in another country. And so, um, naturally we felt, I, I felt inspired. I felt, um, just encouraged to follow them and pray for them. Definitely joined a prayer team to be, you know, to lift their family up. And the ones in Mexico, Reese and I would go down and visit quite often. Any chance we got, we, on the weekends, we would, we would zip down two hours to Tijuana and then another two hours down to where this orphanage was. And so much so that we were feeling like God was preparing our hearts to maybe do this one day. Wow. I was doing commercial real estate in LA she was working, but we ended up getting married down in in the Baja. No way. <laughs> and, and Risa had uh, her, I think she had 11 junior bridesmaids of, of girls that were in that orphanage. How wonderful, man. Part of our wedding. And um, family flew down. It was great. And then God kind of, over the next five or six years... God started, we started having kids, Mm -hmm. but we ended up moving back up to Washington State. And I was working in the telecom up there. And right around 2010, we watched the earthquake hit Port-au-Prince. And at the time, one of the largest earthquakes recorded in terms of casualty and the vulnerability in the in the population there and we reached out to our friends that we had watched move there and we said hey should we come and they said well would you consider bringing a team we said absolutely and wow. so that was our first trip in August of 2010 and we we gathered together nurses and doctor and uh, construction crew and mm-hmm. we spent two weeks there and Risa was Pregnant with our third child, Salem, at the time. She was about uh, five or six months pregnant. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that was our first introduction to Haiti.
1: And this wasn't one of those uh, Christian timeshare-type, (laughs) missionary-type mission trips where you're going and staying in Five Star. You're staying in Haiti first and then bringing your pregnant wife with all kinds of craziness happening after an earthquake, leading other people. Like, that's... Pretty powerful man that's awesome yeah
2: that first trip was life-changing in many ways but i remember sitting talking with risa and she said she was still trying to adjust to the heat it was like mm-hmm. 110 112 wow the humidity was off the charts and i said so what do you think do you think maybe god's calling us here i think it was like the second <laughs> or third third day and she looked at me she's like i i i, I don't i don't know your timing was great yeah right like <laughs> It's the second day we're there, I'm asking her this, and and she goes, "I don't know. I'm just trying to get the air conditioning to work in the room. You know, like I'm trying to balance my body with this mm-hmm. kid." And she paused and she said, well, "What do you think?" And I said, "I think we could easily spend ten years here." Wow. And I remember saying it, and then I remember thinking, "That's kind of arrogant," but I but it just came out. It's cool. God put that on y'all's heart. Right, yeah. right then, day two. Yeah, there, we've never, you know, held firmly to that timeline. But here we are at 12 years, and God's been faithful and in the work and just really been with us. That's wonderful, man.
1: Time. So tell us a little bit more about your organization, Child Hope International, man. Like, what's it look like down there? What are you all doing? Let's let the let's let the people hear about what God's doing through you guys down there.
2: Yeah, so, we, so we've had a phrase, doing orphan care differently. And I think it would be appropriate to share a story in our first year. I was hosting a team mm-hmm. of, that had come to visit and learn about the ministry. And we were wrapping up the day, and I was leaving the boys' home. As I stepped out onto the dusty road from the gate, I see one of our kids on the inside of the gate. And he had climbed a soccer goal. And he was leaning up through the barbed wire, and he was talking to a woman on the street. She had a bunch of mangoes. She was selling produce, mm-hmm. but they were having this conversation. And at my first thought, I was like, "Oh, he's trying to he's trying to work an angle for a good mango." <laughs> but he looks over and sees me. He's like, "Spencer, come here!" And he calls me over and he introduces me to his mom. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, you're 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 his mom!" Oh, so so wow. nice to see you. Nice nice to meet you. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like. I didn't know that there was family. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this about? And uh, she, I could tell she instantly got really timid and she was embarrassed that Mm -hmm. he, he he like called her mom and introduced me to her as his mother. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was a beginning seed for me to understand that this is more of a complex scenario than just kids uh, being saved and covered and protected. In a home, which in my mind, I knew that there were complexities. I knew those things were there, but that was my first encounter with it, where I really started thinking back through, like, what are we doing about those kids? Mm -hmm. That margin there. Yeah, And we were in our first year. We... We knew nothing. Like We thought we knew and we had done stuff in Mexico. We, we knew nothing. And we worked for about six or seven months, got exhausted. Mm-hmm. We didn't learn language. We had just kind of hit the ground running. And we decided to pull back. Risa paused me one day and she's like, I'm doing homeschool w- with the three kids. Like we're doing this, but I can't speak the language. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I can't talk to our neighbors. This needs to change. And mm-hmm. so we ended up pausing and stopping learning language and for three months and, and basically from that point on started feeling like we were supposed to step away from the organization mm-hmm. to really dive deep into what God was calling us to. And we were active during that time. We had about three years where I did some s- soccer ministry at the, but, and worked w- with the local church, helped serve at the local church and in the, in the community mm-hmm. and was really alongside Child Hope Um, during that time. For us, that's really a piece of the work that was foundational to our learning. And around 2014, we moved there at the end of 2012, I believe. Mm -hmm. And in 2014, a report came out that was done by an organization called Lumos in Haiti. And they came out and said they had done a survey of all the known orphanages in Haiti. And Mm -hmm. they came out and said there's 750 orphanages that wow. they knew of and they factored that there was probably a lot more that they didn't you know there was there was more than that mm-hmm. but these are the ones that they knew and in these orphanages there was you know roughly 30 to 35,000 kids and then they brought a stat that really was pivotal for me in understanding this margin that that I had shared about earlier and mm-hmm. that was that it's estimated that 80% of these kids have families. Wow. And so what what this report was really saying was was that these kids are in orphanages that are are being run by people that have noble hearts, like like good intentions, mm-hmm. well-intended people, the church in the west, you know, sending people, starting orphanages, really well-intended but a lot of these kids were entered into these homes for resources, for
1: school, mm-hmm. for food, for shelter and clothing, because parents couldn't provide. They could provide, but not at the level that they would be putting their kid at a disadvantage by not taking advantage of these good opportunities through these orphanages. Or maybe they couldn't even provide for them at all.
2: Yeah. So the, the whole school system in Haiti, it's all private. Mm-hmm. So every child, wow. every kid has to pay. There There's a few state government runs schools but teachers don't get paid and they don't have much budget the class classes are huge a majority of the schools are private Mm -hmm. and so it's a huge cost for families huge and parents can't even fathom paying one child let alone like four or five children Mm -hmm. their schooling and so if an orphanage started up if you feeling called to work with vulnerable children move down there rent a home and start an orphanage which is totally illegal now. You hmm. can't it's it's against the law to do that in Haiti. You would actually be separating families. Wow. Because they would families would try to get their kids into the home mm-hmm. thinking that they're that that's the their best opportunity mm-hmm. to thrive. Yep. And so Child Hope has really taken that and said, "What if we could shift our approach and expand into family-based care?" And around that time, a group of wonderful people before us had begun this type of work Mm -hmm. and really laid a path for us. Uh, One of those is Faith to Action, a great organization, but they had created a a manual that was literally like transitioning your orphanage to family-based care. Wow. And it was, it was one of those timing things, right? Mm -hmm. And so we took it and we built off that and we decided to test those statistics in that Lumos report Mm -hmm. on our own orphanage. And Uh, in 2016 god had brought us back to the organization Mm -hmm. i forgot to mention that but we started pursuing this family-based care then and we hired social workers we we actually found like 95 percent of our kids families and over the next five or six years we redeveloped those relationships and resourced those kids back into their homes Mm. To this day, now our organization walks alongside them. We pay for their kids' schooling and their siblings that weren't even part of Child Hope. Oh, now, wow. now we're paying for their schooling, uh, medical, and we're we're helping them with food and offsetting mm-hmm. costs. So Every family was unique and different, but uh, all of them were facing crisis in, in Haiti. It's been some of the hardest years, and we've been able to do this work. In one of the hardest and darkest times
1: in Haiti. Man. Well, yeah. I just think it's awesome how you noticed that things were not really changing. So you're like, well maybe we should try something different. You found this amazing playbook by these people who are already testing this. Y'all are implementing it and there's yeah. great success that God's doing through you guys by doing things different, by reuniting families and that I dude, that's so wonderful. With childhood coming into the giving season, this is when people were very generous it's kind of the end of the year for the listeners of broadcast is love if people want to get connected with you guys if they want to help support your ministry or learn more about y'all you know where should they go what should they check out our website is childhope.org
2: they could start there and read read about us we have news you know monthly newsletters there you could follow along in some of the work and you can give through the website we do have our annual fundraiser coming up it's a way that god has really brought us to meet our budget mm-hmm. every year. Yeah. But this year, I think we're trying to raise close to $70,000, $75,000 mm-hmm. to complete our budget. But on November 28th, Giving Tuesday this year, uh, it's one day of giving. We've had some people step up and just put aside some matching money for mm-hmm. that. But yeah, we're working on that right now. And uh, if people are interested, we'd love to have you guys come out on Giving Tuesday or, or go to the website, check it out or, or reach out to me. I just love to love to meet people and and talk
1: about what we're doing. Definitely, man. Well and personally, I was checking out the website. Love it. You know, sometimes people are skeptical about where their money's going. Y'all are super transparent about where every dollar's going, what it's going to. You break it down really well in y'all's financials. Personally I love that. I think it's a wonderful tool and I, I feel really good. Whenever we are supporting you guys, man, it's awesome.
2: I was encouraged when you shared that. We've submitted our organization to uh, audit auditors. Um, EFCA mm-hmm. is is one of those that really gives a guideline of this is how you should handle your financials and mm-hmm. to your donors. And if you want a um, stamp of recognition, you need to do these things. And it's, it's been great. I encourage any nonprofit to definitely to come under that and really try
1: to try to meet those standards. Definitely, man. Yeah, transparency is key and man, it just uh, that's it's so cool what y'all are doing and it's so awesome to see what God's doing through you guys down there and how these funds are being, you know, utilized. It's it's amazing. That's awesome. But uh is there anything else you wanna touch on? Yeah, well I
2: you know, I talked about those families, right? Mm-hmm. That we're serving. But I would love to talk about another piece of our work. Once we got all of our children back home, we've we've now started training social workers. Mm -hmm. And our our heart was to really come alongside other orphanages and show them how to do this work. Wow. And so one of the things the Lord really put on my heart was get through these reunifications and you'll have all the evidence you need. Mm -hmm. And I really clung to that in the process. It's been really hard and and difficult work, but when we got through, and one of our last kids, I'm going to share this story because yeah, please, it's, it's such a bookend to the work that we were doing. Imagine, imagine an orphanage and the kids that you've lived with mm-hmm. for X amount of years—they're one by one—they're going home to their family. Wow! And one of our last boys, he came to our one of our staff members, our psychologist, and he said, "Hey, have you guys found my mom yet?" And we had contacted her mom early on in the process. But then we just, it was radio silence. We couldn't reach her. We had no feedback. We didn't Mm -hmm. know. We just lost trace of her. We couldn't find her at all. So he was coming for a progress report. Did you find her? Have you found her yet? Mm -hmm. And my psychologist said, look, uh, no, we ha we haven't. And as she said that he just started crying. Mm -hmm. He just put his head down and started crying and weeping. And she, she paused. And then she, she she goes, I don't know, even know why I said this, but I just said, <laughs> Marcel, have you even prayed about this? Oh, wow. And he, he kind of like looks at her and, and lifts his head, wipes his tears, and he's like, well, no. <laughs> and she's like, well, you know you can pray. You mm-hmm. can ask God for this. And the meeting adjourned, no joke. Within one week, mom shows up unannounced wow. at the office, at the orphanage. And he comes running back to our psychologist. Cindy, wow. thank you so much. I can't believe you told me to pray and I prayed. And my mom's here. Man, praise the Lord. And that was that was our last reunification. And power of prayer, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so cool for our staff to see that. Mm-hmm. See the power of a young boy's, you know, prayer and how they can participate in their faith in this process. And so that was a really big deal for us. Now we're not an orphanage anymore, right? (laughs) Like We don't have any kids in the home. And we really felt as a team that we wanted to bring this to other orphanages Mm -hmm. and share everything we... We knew, and were learning, and had learned in the process. We wanted to share it with other organizations, and in doing so, God led us to to start a training for social workers. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how to reach other orphanages, where they were exactly in country, who they were.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: My team on the ground said, "Let's do a training for social workers and make it mandatory that they they must be working with an orphanage." Mm-hmm. And as we did that, we started teaching social workers how to do family-based care. In that process, we've come into contact with nearly 40 organizations. Uh, We've trained 140 social workers. Wow. And it's been really neat. Currently, we're working with 12 of those organizations. We're talking to them on a weekly basis, and that's a big chunk of our work. We're looking to expand that aspect of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Orphanages are in crisis right now, and a lot of them are, are beginning to think about family-based care as a solution. Mm-hmm. We're excited. We're challenged. The circumstances are, are just, you know, downright unbearable mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. But God has been faithful and continues to to provide. And it feels like for such a time as this, right? Like it feels... Like, wow, if we can do this in this moment, what's it going to be like when Haiti forms a government mm-hmm. and the gangs get dealt with? Like, the security comes back to the country mm-hmm. and law and judicial gets reestablished. You know, what is the reform
1: going to look like mm-hmm. in terms of working with children? And so... with well, those kids that, that y'all have worked with, those families y'all have worked with, those are going to be the backbone of that nation rebuilding man they're gonna play a pivotal role in being part of the stability for that man so that's really awesome that god has brought families back together but this might also help heal the country
2: you know i family is so critical right Mm -hmm. like your support group is so important and as an orphanage we were seeing kids age out Mm -hmm. and now they had to be an adult and they turned and looked at the orphanage that was like hey you're you're in your 20s now like be on your own like Mm -hmm. you have to." learn how to live. And there was a lot of animosity, a lot of anger, a lot of lack of identity, mm-hmm. but to rebuild that family connection, mm-hmm. to know their people and where they come from, that right to identity is really, you know, God places the lonely in families. Mm-hmm. You know? And James, we, as a church, we were constantly like looking after orphans and widows in their distress well, we do a really good job at separating, <laughs> yeah, the, dissecting that verse. And we look after orphans and we maybe look after widows. Mm-hmm. Or, but we really need to keep those two together because where there's an orphan, many times there is a single mom. Or a grandma, or mm-hmm. there's family. And I think family is critical to rehabilitation, right? Like mm-hmm. to support. When we're in challenge, when we're in trial,
1: we lean on our family. No lie, man. That was the verse I was going to bring up. And that's so cool. I had never thought about reuniting the child and like a, the widow and, and men. They're better together. That's so cool. Like that you just said that because for real, that was the verse I was going to bring up because when I knew you were coming on, yeah. I mean, Like oh I gotta think of a verse talking about orphans (laughs) like oh James yeah yeah got it got it power verse got it right and then uh, that's so cool how you see it that way because I thank you for sharing that I never would have put that together
2: yeah and you look at like Nehemiah right he's he's called to this broken down city Mm -hmm. this this city in rubble. And he gets permission from the king to mm-hmm. to bring security. I just see so many parallels with Port-au-Prince, with Haiti, mm-hmm. right now, being a city in rubble from the earthquake and the corruption and the storm after storm and the fragmented families. <laughs> and and Nehemiah, what he did is he got families together to rebuild that wall. Mm-hmm. He said he placed them on the wall, like you you this family here, this family here, and the families were the ones that that ended up defending and rebuilding and securing the mm-hmm. nation of Israel yep. right like the, and so we won't always know what what the outcome <laughs> is but i get i get excited thinking about that families maybe 10 15 years from now will look back and be like you know what the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for mm-hmm. us like it was hard for these kids. They didn't under. They don't understand re-engaging a culture that they didn't fully know, mm-hmm. and it was it's hard. Yeah, rebuilding those those relationships with parents. It was long and arduous, and a lot of conflict resolution <laughs> with our
1: team and mm-hmm. social workers. It went hard for those parents, man. I mean, I'm sure it was very difficult for them to have to want to give up their kid, but they at the time they thought they were making the best choice, but. And it's cool how God's bringing it back together through what y'all are doing and the tools that yeah. somebody helped teach y'all. Y'all are helping teach others. And that's just really powerful, man. That's all. Awesome. That's really wonderful.
2: Yeah. So a big piece of it is re-educating people. I mean, I, I think people have done the short-term mission trip. Mm-hmm. They've gone to an orphanage. They've played with kids. Been totally impacted. But there's a whole other side And for, for my heart, I really want to try to raise the standard in the church. Definitely. If you're a church out there, if you're sowing financially to an orphanage in the global South, I just encourage you to, to really educate yourself on the possibilities of family based care. Hmm. And I'm part of a, a global network of leaders that, that get come together and learn together. Wow. And, um, In different countries and if if you're working in Haiti I would love to speak with you about potential solutions to expand and just try to find those five or six kids that you know of right now that probably have family or probably in the community Mm -hmm. and start there and just resourcing back I'm going to give you a statistic yeah please Um, love numbers it is from 2014 so you got to hold it loosely to some degree but it's evidence of the volume of money coming into country, into Haiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haiti, there's zero funding that really comes from the government to ha- Haitian orphanages. Mm-hmm. So all of the money coming into country is private funded. Mm-hmm. A survey had done of, uh, uh, I want to say, maybe two, 250 orphanages, 260 funders mm-hmm. of, of orphanages, and in that out of that two hundred and sixty group of funders, seventy million dollars was transferring into country to fund orphanages annually. Wow, and that's a that was kind of a conservative look. I mean the number of orphanages is close to eight hundred mm-hmm, you know, so that'll give you a glimpse of of the amount of money coming into country. What if? Eighty percent of those kids really were. In our case, it was ninety-five percent of our kids had families that mm. we found. We had to search for them, but we found them. Mm-hmm. You know, what if we could start allocating that
1: support back into families? And so, one thing that I just think about, just talking about this aging out of the orphanage with family. I mean, it's you know, you're stuck with family, man. It's hard to age out of family. So, right. I mean, that's right. that's awesome. That man, that's just really cool. That you really can't age out of family. Like if if they get that network together and everybody's doing life together, they've got that that social network right there. So, man, that's really cool. Just as we wrap up, one thing that Ricky always loves to ask her guests, uh, what is a Bible verse that's encouraging you in this season? That's a good question. Um, I'll share a verse. We just
2: finished our board retreat Mm -hmm. this fall up in Washington, and— We got a few days together to talk about the upcoming year. The situation in Haiti is quite dire Mm -hmm. um, and insecure. But we got some time just to pray. And the Lord uh, gave me this verse in Isaiah 50, verse 7. It's because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. And it's a prophetic scripture of christ mm. in the beating and the mockery and in, in what he took as he was convinced and focused on going to the cross mm. that he had his face like flint and we just kind of been holding on to that uh, you know our team works in remotely mm-hmm. uh, on the ground in au prince and and it's every day is different we've had our staff members have to flee in the middle of the night with their families. There's routine open gunfire throughout the city on a mm-hmm. daily basis, depending on what gangs are doing what. And it's just a, it's a challenging time. And so for me to, to receive that verse, for, for me and for our team, I, it's, it's just to have courage, I feel mm-hmm. like to Stay committed and keep our our face like flat <laughs> yeah. uh, in the face of these things. And by God's grace, you know people will come alongside and continue sewing into the work. And uh, you know our our big picture is to influence those that eighty percent group mm-hmm. that are of kids that are in orphanages that have families, and to see those orgs, those orphanages and organizations start reallocating their finances to advocate for family reintegration mm-hmm. and and long-term support pay for their school
1: be committed long-term but let them be with their families well it's just so cool what y'all's mission it's so much like what christ did he didn't you know we're if we're Christians, man, we're all adopted in the christ family and he's reuniting us with the family man so it's like really cool Totally. That, that what y'all are doing is what Christ did for us as Christians. And y'all are doing it for physical, you know, human people for what, for their lives now, but Christ yeah. did it for us, for our and spiritual. And he's reintegrating us into yep. his family. Absolutely. Super powerful, man. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for coming on tonight. If you wouldn't mind, man, just to do something a little different, do you mind, will you pray us out, but will you do it in uh, Haitian? Yeah. Or is it yeah. Haitian Creole, right?
2: Yeah. I, I, I will do it. Yeah, sure. Thank you for this today. Jezi, merci. Merci pour Jodia, pour tant ça, pour discuter tout ce que uh, Haiti. Bonjour, nous m'aiderons à Riley and Ricky avec ministry. ça. Et nous, Child Hope, pour que continue continuer à voir ce avec Timon. And la. And this message, sa discussion. na kunya.
1: Me moon and Amen. Amen, man. Yeah, Spencer. Thank you for coming on. It's you know anytime Haiti's in the news, it's usually not for something good, man. But thank you for yeah. bringing some good news tonight about what God's doing down there through you guys. Thank
2: so. you. I'm encouraged
1: and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Amen. God bless.
2: See y'all. Hey, this is Dustin, one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church in Sebring, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to listen to Broadcast His Love with Ricky Van Stewart. I hope you also consider joining us on our podcast as well. Our hope is to encourage you, inspire you, and compel you towards a closer walk with Jesus and one another. You can find us on every platform where podcasts are offered by simply searching for Grace Bible Church Sebring. Again, this is Pastor Dustin, and I hope to get to connect with you very soon.
1: Hey, this is Mark Stockland, pastor and CEO for Haiti Bible Mission in Jeremy, Haiti. If you'd like to follow along with what we're doing in Jeremy, Haiti, you can check us out at HaitiBibleMission.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to get you guys connected with what we're doing in Jeremy, Haiti, and how you can partner with us to live the difference, to help empower leaders, to transform communities. God bless you guys, and have a great day.
0: Hey everyone, it's Erica with Glassy Day Studio, where we believe every broken, discarded, and disrupted thing will be reclaimed, restored, and redeemed by the one who created and calms the waves. Glassy Day jewelry is shaped from recycled surfboard resin, and each design is named after a woman in the Bible. And 10% of every purchase supports foster care ministries. Check it out at GlassyDayStudio.com. And thanks for listening, and if this episode has drawn you closer to Christ, please share it with your friends and family or even one person that might find encouragement in the message and a deeper relationship with Christ. God bless, and have a great week! This is amazing!